Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you on Friday, July the 20th. This week we're focusing on a new Lancet HIV series, specifically looking at the HIV epidemic among men who have sex with men, or MSM. The series is going to be discussed at next week's International AIDS Society meeting in Washington, D.C. And earlier I spoke to our series guru, Professor Chris Byra from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore in the United States. Unfortunately, the bad news is that while we have seen overall a decline in HIV in many populations and in many heavily affected countries, the trajectory of the HIV epidemics among men who have sex with men, MSM, are very different. They are continuing to expand. Uh, In many countries, including my own, the United States, the only population in which HIV rates are rising are among young MSM. But also, where we've looked globally, wherever you look in low- and middle-income countries, in in Africa, in Asia, South and Southeast Asia, in China, in Latin America, we see that uh, the HIV rates among these men are rising. What incidence data, rates of new infection we have, and there's limited incidence data because there are very few prospective cohorts in developing countries, but we do have incidence data from Kenya, from Thailand, from China, and the incidence rates are even higher and more worrisome. So the MSM epidemic is on a different trajectory from the rest of global AIDS. What do we know about the epidemiology then in this specific MSM population? What's transmission like then? And as you said, it's a different dimension. The uh, first paper in the series, which is a global review of the epidemiology, I led with a tremendous international team. We really looked at all the available data. We looked at the available risk factor data, not just at the level of the individual, you know, numbers of partners and you know, condom use and, and uh, substance use and other, other well-known risks for HIV uh, acquisition, but also at the network level risks, the community level risks, and some of the structural realities for these men, the stigma, discrimination, the impacts on healthcare, uh, discrimination in many countries that limit their use of, of available uh, services. But what we really came to was, uh, first of all, that the biological risks of HIV transmission in anal sex, which is a common, obviously, sexual practice among MSM, is really an enormously important factor. This is a guttropic virus, and we know from immunology and from virology studies that uh, the initial insults to HIV to the gut immune system are a critical part of the disease pathogenesis. The transmission dynamics of HIV in anal intercourse are tremendously important. Now, that, of course, is the same in heterosexual anal intercourse. And in fact, the best available data from a Bagley et al. modeling study, which was done among predominantly European heterosexual couples who reported uh, anal intercourse, demonstrates very clearly that uh, the risk is about 18 times higher per act in transmission probability in anal versus vaginal intercourse. Now, that, of course, has nothing to do with gender. It's the same if the recipient partner is a man or a woman. What's different with MSM is, of course, that uh, first of all, this is such a common behavior 
behavior. And secondly, that men can engage in both insertive and receptive roles in anal sex. So have very high likelihood of acquisition when they're the receptive partner and then very high likelihood of transmission when they're the insertive partner. When you put that together, what you see is that the biology of the interaction of HIV with MSM is really a potent driver of the epidemic, and that HIV moves more quickly through MSM networks. We also reviewed the molecular epidemiology of HIV in these populations, and it turns out that that the molecular virologic findings really underscore this. There is more dual infection among MSM than in heterosexuals. There is more super infection. There is more diversity, and there's a greater likelihood of having multiple HIV variants uh, in each patient. All of that suggests that the biology here is a critical factor. We looked at this then by using a relatively new and powerful modeling approach, a stochastic agent-driven modeling, where you build a hypothetical population. You put in a tremendous number of inputs. So we used a U.S. urban and a Peruvian urban population data sets as samples. Then we did a counterfactual experiment and essentially said, what happens if you set the transmission probability of anal sex among these men to be the same as the transmission probability of HIV in vaginal sex, which we have good data on from other populations. And what happens is that in both the U.S. and the Peruvian examples that we used, these data, uh, that between 85 and 98 percent of the epidemic goes away within five years with no other changes in behavior. One of the papers talks about how health systems connects with HIV MSM. We're in a new era of HIV prevention where the role of testing, of knowing your status, and of the differing technologies that we have, oral pre-exposure prophylaxis, oral PrEP was just approved yesterday by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Treatment, we now know effective antiretroviral treatment is HIV prevention because it can so dramatically reduce viral load and reduce people's likelihood of onward transmission. What that means is the healthcare system is more important than it's ever been for HIV prevention, treatment, and care, and also for all the other services that these men need. But Unfortunately, what we see is that healthcare systems and services and healthcare professionals in many settings are either ignorant about the needs and risks of these men or are actually discriminatory. And there's very good evidence of discrimination in a number of healthcare settings in developing countries in particular. All of that means that just for a population that arguably needs more HIV preventive services to reduce these much greater risks and where we have new and exciting technologies that can really make a difference, these men are excluded from services or are discouraged from seeking those services. And so the role of healthcare systems is more important than it's ever been, and it really is a critical focus for change. You've already touched on prevention strategies there within the context of health systems needing to get smarter and connect more with this community. By prevention strategies, we're, we're talking about clearly behavioral approaches, aren't we, as well as 
pharmacological approaches. That's a very important point. The the prevention paper uh, was led by a tremendous younger investigator, Patrick Sullivan at Emory University in Atlanta, uh, again heading up an international team. They reviewed very carefully all of the existing literature on uh, effective strategies for HIV prevention. The bottom line here for MSM is that the much of what has been done is, is individual-level risk reduction counseling and education. That now, it is clear, is insufficient to really reduce HIV incidence alone. It is an important part of additional uh, prevention strategies. Now, the most obvious and basic one is obviously condom availability. Condoms are very effective in reducing HIV transmission uh, in anal intercourse with appropriate lubricants and water-based lubricants that protect condoms. That turns out to be critically important because unlike the vagina, the anorectal area is not self-lubricating and lubricants are a critical part of being able to use condoms safely and effectively for anal sex. There is a tremendous lack of access to condoms and lube three decades into this epidemic for MSM in developing countries. So that's a critical piece. But of course, people have to use them. That's behavioral. But really, they looked very carefully, again, doing stochastic agent-based modeling at combination packages that would include the behavior interventions, particularly group and community level behavioral interventions, which are more effective than individual level for MSM, condoms and lube, PrEP, and treatment as prevention for HIV positives. And it turns out that all of these in combination are probably going to be necessary to really have some substantive impacts on these very high prevalence, high incidence epidemics in MSM. Behavior is not enough. Condoms and lube are not enough. And either PrEP or treatment in and of themselves may not be enough either. We're really going to need a combination package. There are some really shocking statistics, and that is men who have sex with men who are black. This is a very important component of the series, and it's it's a critically important issue. We asked Gregorio Millet, who's a tremendous African-American HIV investigator at the CDC in the past, although most recently has now been in the White House, to head this up and lead this effort. And he put together a tremendous team of people who have worked on this issue. The reason we did that is because the data from the U.S., but also from the U.K. and a number of Caribbean countries has suggested for a while that there is a sub-epidemic in black men who have sex with men, African-American communities here, Caribbean uh, communities in the Caribbean, Afro-Canadian uh, populations, and black men, many of them of West Indian or African backgrounds in the UK. And that really is a health disparity issue, and it's striking. So if you compare, for example, African-American MSM to other MSM, the rates are much higher. But if you compare them to their own population, so to other African-Americans, you see these extraordinary, you know, orders of magnitude greater uh, burdens of HIV infection. Now, why is that? Well, Greg has really endeavored in, in the paper on health disparities to really untangle this and look at it carefully. It is not due to higher individual level risk-taking. In fact, when you look at the level of individual black men compared to white men in the U.S., they are less likely to use substances. They have fewer partners than white men, are more likely to engage in a number of protective behaviors. The network-level risks, however, are very different. 
So when you have very high prevalence in a population, your likelihood of acquisition with a smaller number of partners is still very high. So that's a part of the problem. Another part of of the problem that Greg has uncovered is very clearly that these men are less likely to have been tested for HIV, and they are significantly less likely to know their own HIV status. So as we said earlier, in the new era of prevention, so many of the decisions about what kind of interventions are going to be useful for people are based on knowledge of status. These men really have much lower rates. They have higher rates of untreated sexually transmitted infections, particularly syphilis. And there is a severe syphilis epidemic underway among black MSM in the U.S. And if you put all of those together, lower rates of testing, lower rates of knowledge of HIV status, higher rates of untreated STI, these are really about limitations on uh, use and access to healthcare services. We think that that has been going on for a very long time and helps to explain the much higher rates in these populations, despite actually what are modest to lower individual level risks. Finally, Professor Byra, what is your call to action? I know you're involved in a session at the International AIDS Society meeting taking place in Washington, D.C. next week, co-chairing that with the Lancet's editor, Dr. Richard Horton. What are you going to be saying there about the call to action? Because this sounds like a really important series with some very clear data and some very clear messages, but it's got to be converted into action, hasn't it? Well, absolutely. We are indeed doing a session. It's on the Tuesday. Happily, this is a uh, a 90-minute a special session in which we will really be able to lay out all of the papers, and we will close with the call to action. There are a number of calls. I think first, overall, the big picture is that we really want a dramatically increased awareness of the reality that HIV among MSM is a different sub-epidemic. It is a happening in, in developed countries, but also in many low- and middle-income countries. In fact, it's it's uh, underway wherever we have looked and wherever we have data. And, you know, three decades into uh, an epidemic first identified among homosexual men uh, in the United States, it really is unconscionable that we are in a position of having to call for recognition of this epidemic and responses to it. But nevertheless, that is the situation. We have put together a strategy and a series of action items and accountability items that we feel are really important elements of the call. And for example, we really have to have, in addition to increased recognition, increased funding for this problem and targeted funding commensurate with the need. We want to see a tremendous increase in the research effort around the effectiveness, the effective use of combination prevention strategies for men who have sex with men. We now have each of these individual pieces pretty clearly identified, but how they actually are going to be put together and implemented in the field for men who need them is an enormous implementation science research agenda, and it's one that we really must get going on quickly. We've also called for repeal of laws criminalizing same-sex behavior because there's very good evidence that criminalization, which is a legal form of stigma and discrimination, really is a barrier to services for these men. And we want to see a dramatic increase in the number of countries that are effectively measuring HIV among MSM. It it really is extraordinary for, for how many countries we still have absolutely no data. And as I said, this is now coming on over 30 years of evidence that MSM are at heightened risk for HIV infection. 
finally, we asked Archbishop Desmond Tutu, the Archbishop Emeritus of Cape Town, and a great voice of inclusion and human dignity on the continent of Africa, to speak to us about the need for society to embrace and include these men. And he has done a beautiful piece where I will just quote a line from you, the struggle for equity in HIV services is likely to be inseparably linked to the struggle for sexual minority rights, and hence to be both a human rights struggle and a civil rights one. And I think that's right. Hear, hear to that. And just to say to all listeners, date-wise, all the content of this series, HIV, MSM, is available on thelancet.com. Just follow the links through. And the session that uh, Chris talked about that he's co-chairing at the International AIDS Society meeting is taking place on Tuesday, July the 24th. And we'll provide a link to that through the lancet.com homepage. But in the meantime, Chris Spiroa on the line from Baltimore in the United States. Many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet and I hope you have a great meeting in DC next week. Thank you so much. We're um, we're really thrilled that the Lancet took on this issue. We think it's a critically important one and uh, and we think the series, we hope the series is going to have a big global impact. Many thanks indeed to Chris Spiroa and to you all for listening. See you next time.